Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brunson Christofferson. We got the full crew here after the holiday week last week in which I bailed and then proceeded not to listen to the podcast. I don't even know what was discussed. Gentlemen? What did we discuss last time? Uh, oh, we went through the the schedule difficulties. That oh, that's was one right. of the things. And that's right. I thought it was a pretty good session. I thought we had good chemistry without Schaefer. We, uh, Schaefer, we <laughs> talked a little bit about the very fine line between having a horseshoe up your ass as a coach and good coaching um, as it relates to Northwestern specifically. But um, that, that's very kind of, underrated. That's that one of the things that program. we hit on last week. Yeah, was. that was because I said backside because I didn't know if I could say yeah. ass. Yeah. You really said backside. <laughs> Yeah, horseshoe up your back. Fan- up, your up, up your fanny. Yeah. Wow. Oh. You guys got wild. Yeah. We let our hair down a little bit. Uh, if we seem a little distracted right now, it's because we have the uh, World Cup semifinal on right now with England and uh, Croatia. They're in extra time. Tied extra, at one. Extra mm-hmm. time. Yes. So. Uh, 108th. We're in the 108th minute right now. Things might get a little quiet if they go into penalty kicks, but <laughs> Schaefer's like out of it. <laughs> so this podcast was actually supposed to start over an hour ago, but everybody just sort of joined me in the living room, was watching England I piss came away over the second there. I didn't want to just go awkwardly to sit at your kitchen table alone. <laughs> I mean, you would have forced the issue You could have sent a message. Yeah, I, I didn't, though. I... Uh, Sat down and then started tweeting about that guy getting hit in the nuts with the soccer ball. <laughs> so I, I mean, there, there's not a ton of Nebraska to discuss. But before we get to what we will discuss, and and there are some things. I mean, we have we have Willie King's oh, departure. We got, we got a, goal. a goal. We got a goal. Croatia has just broken all of England's heart. Wow. The guy who saved a goal for England with his nuts earlier. Yeah. Those nuts are not going to be knighted. <laughs> He just went from the uh, yeah. That's too bad. This poor nuts. <laughs> well, anyway. I mean, there's still twelve minutes left. Here, yeah, it's, it's not over yet. But uh, England's not going to pull this out. Oh, you can't say that. England going to England. Have you not been watching this World Cup? It's been wild out here. I mean, England's almost scored a couple own goals in this game already, too. So I, I have no confidence in there. <laughs> they should have been up two to nothing, and then they should have easily been through. And he had another defensive mistake has led to another goal. Uh, a blunder. The yeah. the British press is going to have a field day. <laughs> <laughs> you think they're actually sort of excited by this result? I'm sure. I like that there's no soccer haters in this trio. Yeah. There's probably people turning off this podcast right now, though, because of all the soccer talk. Yeah. Of I, which there's been three minutes. How well, do you feel about that, Brian? Well, I was telling you guys... It's always funny, like, if you make, like, a little tweet about the World Cup, there's always, like, one or two guys who pop up just to tell me that I I might as well watch, you know, my grass grow or something like that. And I always find that odd. It's like, why do we tell people, like, if there's something you like and I don't like it, why do I have to go out of my way to say, man, why why are you doing that? Why can't I just let you enjoy watching that? I, I believe that's the entire point of Twitter is to make people feel badly for liking things that yeah, they don't true. like. That's true. And I mean, also, just, just think about the 2014, uh, 2015 Octobers in which our you know, Royals fans took over Twitter. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were quick to point out that they shouldn't enjoy it. 
right? Well, no, I never did that. I, did, I was. I did that <laughs> quietly. <laughs> yeah, you guys are not as uh, as vocal as I am. I I thought they should have enjoyed it. I didn't say yeah, I was. Enjo- I, mean, I was not enjoying their enjoyment, but I didn't mind them. Like, I I didn't mind anybody who was a long term Royals fan and the pain they've been through for thirty all years. All seven of them. <laughs> I didn't mind those that crowd. I thought there were a lot of people who had some pretty fresh Royals hats on those falls where it, it, I don't think those, those hats were purchased in 2012. Or yeah, You don't think like they ever did a hat inventory such as you had done? Yeah. Where you so, knew exactly what you had and when it was purchased and the story behind each hat? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of an anti-bandwagon guy. So, is there anybody that's pro bandwagon? I feel like LeBron James has made the bandwagon okay, but maybe a little bit. There's times when the the Vikings and the Indians flame out in the playoffs where I think to myself, maybe if I just jumped on the team of the moment, I wouldn't have these sort of like letdowns that I've just checkered my entire sports history. But then you you pretty much box yourself into rooting for like Tom Brady, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, potentially, which I don't think yeah, is You'd, you'd have been palatable. on the Eagles bandwagon. You'd have been a Foles guy. You'd have been all about Dirk Nowitzki in 2011. Don't you have to fill there, it in your like heart, There's like some though. good bandwagons. Don't you have you, to... You'd have been EPL if we keep it to soccer. You'd have all about, what was it, Leicester City? I don't know yeah. how to pronounce it. I'm a Leicester. West Ham supporter. <laughs> Doesn't there have to be that feeling, though? <laughs> how many West Ham games did you watch... In 2017, 2018. I, I probably watched 10 to 15. No. Yeah, because I would go back and rewatch them on Monday nights because <laughs> they play on Saturdays. You know how I work. I don't go to sleep till like 2 in the morning. How There's are nothing you rewatching already played soccer? Because it's on the uh, NBC Is Sports app. Is it like Fast Cuts? NBC Sports app, and then you can fast forward through it. Mm-hmm. They just eliminate all the... You can quickly get to the heartbreak instead of having to watch it for an hour and a half. All right. We need to get you. Were, were you heartbroken when they lost? We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you a club this year. I I just can't get into the club side of soccer. I'm all in on international, but mm-hmm. I don't have any connections to any of these places I've never been. I have no connection whatsoever. You just like the to, word ham to East London, but I am a. You wanted I'm, to be a hammer. I'm a hammer. Come on, you irons. I can't imagine. Because if there's any, if there's any group it's Saturday of people, morning at seven a.m. and you're yes. yelling, "Come on, you you irons!" I'm not yelling it. I mean, well, I wish you were. I'd love to hear what your wife would have. I, to I'm think just very that. quietly watching soccer at seven in the morning before, <laughs> with a soccer scarf on. The, the soccer replaced having to watch college game day for me. Mm. How about that? Okay. I, I never watched game day. I never got into game day. Never understood the fervor over game day. That's a. I agree with you well, totally. This old guy puts a hat on when he picks who's going to win. <laughs> yeah, like that's the, that's it. That's, that's what I, between that and then the Tom Rinaldi segment. Those anything anybody ever talks about are those two things. Yes. Mm-hmm. The other three hours of that show, nobody cares about. Right. A, a lot of really general stuff is said, which I can appreciate as somebody who says generalities. But it's it's like well, Kirk Kerbstreet, you know fine guy but he'll just say something like yeah georgia needs to play some really good defense today you know that, that's like the commentary on the game that's gonna happen and then the the guys kind of yuck it up a little bit on set i mean it's kind of like what we do except like you know on tv with a wider pop, with a popular audience. with a wide audience yeah it's very similar yes <laughs> very similar it's just an issue of scale 
Okay. I don't I don't get why people care if that show comes to Lincoln or not. I don't. Yeah. Who cares? It's a it's a <laughs> it's a barometer for how much you matter. I thought I was going to be on an island with that, and I appreciate that BC and I are both yeah. both just not game day guys. But I mean, you're right. I think it, it matters. Tells success. It says you're. It matters. I don't know why we're. It matters. I don't know why. I don't know why people get, lose their shit in. Whoa. Like March, trying to predict where game day is going. I don't know why I just swore there. I didn't really need to, but <laughs> here we are. This is. I mean, I think he's a little. I'm a little, little annoyed that I jumped on the matters. I'm a little triggered. Well, I get Brunson's point. Like, I mean, it, when Nebraska is hosting College Game Day again, it suggests that at least they're like a top ten or top fifteen team or something. Right. It's a reason to get riled up if yeah. you're a fan. And that is your like. I think people like saying, "Yep, that's where I live." In the background, look at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's why people around here get all Isn't fired the up. The background, at, just like the West Stadium. Yeah, but that's why <laughs> that's why people get fired about the College World Series around here too. It's like, look, I live there. I don't. <laughs> the thing that I don't get here's what I don't get is I don't. It, so let's say there's a potential game for, like let's say College Game Day is considering going to Lincoln for the Michigan State game. Mm-hmm. I don't see the point of getting all bent out of shape if they happen to pick a another matchup, um, you know, somewhere else in the country that week. Like it, it's not. It's not well, anti. It's, it's not it's anti Nebraska ESPN bias, but. I think that, uh, you know, you just got to – it's barometer. I'll leave it at that. Well, it's been a very interesting, sprawling opening we have yeah. here. We have plenty of soccer talk, some come on, you irons. And uh, what well, we were just talking about game, game day. Game, game day, yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's tie this to Nebraska here about 12 minutes into this podcast or whatever we are. Eight, ten. Somewhere in that range. Split the difference. Willie Canty is not coming to Nebraska. There's three guys that haven't enrolled yet. We now officially know that Canty will be going the junior college route. What do you think of that, Michael Bruns? Um, I mean, it's not. There were kind of the, the telltale signs that things were headed that way when you get to the middle of July. Things get a little too little too quiet. Um. So it, it's not a surprise. I think that it's a little bit of a concern for Nebraska because already offensive tackle was a you know a key area of need in the 2019 class, and now in 2018 you're going to have only taken one offensive lineman, and I, I think that's an area where you have to constantly find guys to develop, get in your program. I mean, if if Zach Duvall is going to be the, the guy that they're going to pin a lot of hopes on in terms of putting weight and strength on these guys. You, you need to continue to, to get guys in your program. I mean, on the other hand, you do have some guys in that walk-on class who you know I, I think could you know eventually grow into possible contributors. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, not having that guy at that spot in your class is uh, definitely a concern, and it puts more stress on 2019, which – you know that you've got Matthew Anderson, but um, Nebraska's going to have to do some work there. Yeah, yeah, and they've they've had a number of their targets actually make decisions here in recent weeks, and those decisions haven't been Nebraska. So going back to Canny, and I wrote about this on the website uh, in the the midday musings, which also discusses uh, chain restaurants. You know, if you really want to 
dive into a great off-season topic right there. But mm-hmm. what I didn't understand is that Canty was sort of the hand-picked one that Nebraska decided they were going to go with for their offensive lineman. I mean, they, they removed several official visitors. They stopped recruiting guys. Once they locked in on Canty, that was their guy. They they knew what his grade status was, or not grade, but they knew what his test score status was. There must have been a higher level of confidence that he was going to qualify than what ultimately happened. Because it doesn't make any other sense. If, if you think this guy's a long shot, even if he's the best out of that group, which I think that he was, and he was the one that they had evaluated the most, um, you still need bodies. You still need somebody that you can at least be take a flyer on if it doesn't work out in a couple years maybe he heads somewhere else but I don't know it's I think you got to be a little bit disappointed disappointed strong little concern maybe about offensive line recruiting initially here from December on I mean you have three total you have one signee you have two commitments in Matthew Anderson and Desmond Bland you've got a ton of holes coming up where you really only have one offensive tackle, you're starting a guy at offensive tackle that's more likely a guard for you, and maybe you know he moves to that spot in 2019 in Matthew Farniak. But I'm just I'm curious, you know, it's, it's thinking out loud. It's hard to know because it's only July, but I'll be very curious what the official visitors look like for the offensive line coming in this fall. I think that's going to tell me a lot about where they're at. And you made a point to me, you know, through a text message where you were saying that you feel like they're in really good shape for 2020. I mean, you look at the guys that have already been on campus from that 2020 class. I mean, you get Corcoran down in Kansas is, you know, a very good prospect. A couple of guys from Colorado already, and Carson Lee, Reese Atterbury has been here as well. Um, I mean, that that's just in 2020. Uh, 2019, I mean, you got Grant Treber up in, in – uh, South Dakota that seems like he's probably going elsewhere, but uh, Nebraska's in his top four. I mean, it, it just feels like down the line a little bit more, there's a reason to, to be pretty positive at that position. But uh, like you said, I mean, you, you're going to need to see who actually ends up taking official visits, especially those guys coming from distance to kind of see how things are really, really and It's are. worth noting that even if you're a little concerned, like I just said, regarding the offensive line recruiting, Nebraska has been playing a little hamstrung by not having official visits. A little? I mean, I think it's a lot. A lot. Yeah. A lot hamstrung by not having official visits. And I, I know that it's affected them in their recruitment of some other positions. And quite frankly, it likely has with offensive line, too, with some of these early commitments that we've seen. Guys that they would have liked to have had on campus that they were hoping to have on campus in the fall that they're not actually going to be able to, to get out until, you know, September that other teams had in in June. So, I, you know. I probably stoked a little bit too much of the, the fire of some concern there, but it is something to keep an eye on with the offensive line, and it certainly relates to the candy news that came out late last night, early this morning. I like I like the interior that's shaping up for the future. I mean, if, if Desmond Bland can get here, I think he can be an immediate factor. And when you add him to eventually – Bo Wilson, Rarid, and those type of guys maybe next year. It might not be till next year, but they're going to get their crack at it. And so I feel good about that spot. But the tackle spot, the guys they've 
picked, I would say, are kind of raw. I mean, you'd have, like, Canty, I think, was viewed as a little bit of a project. Yeah, I mean, it was you, multiple years. You're going to have to work ago. with, so that hurts. And then, you know, Matthew Anderson is, is certainly a project. As great as his story is, he's, you know, a kid who didn't play varsity until his junior year. Um, so you can't just expect him to walk in in a year and be your starter. So that's, here's my question: It though. is a worry. You've talked to him. You've written his story. His great story. You can find it at Nebraska.247sports.com. Goes into the um, losing his mother uh, early in his life and and kind of everything he's gone through to to become a scholarship player. I know that this is sort of a weird way of phrasing it, but he's one of those guys that when you cover a lot of recruiting, I mean, it doesn't always pan out this way, but he's just someone that I wouldn't bet against. He just strikes me as someone who's successful in about everything that he does. Even if he's not, you know, an all Big Ten offensive lineman, he's probably going to have some sort of role on that team where he's the guy in the weight room that's pushing other people to work harder or he's the guy in the practice room that's pushing other people to work harder. I mean, I just – you need guys like that. And I think that he has some sort of charisma and um, ability to connect with people. I just think that we're going to hear a lot about Matthew Anderson behind the scenes. I really do. Yeah. He also might be somebody who, after this season, like a bunch of SEC schools are hopping on trying to, to get on board. I mean, there, there were some people down there who swear by, like, his ceiling. I mean – there was the connection Ryan Held had to that JUCO coach who kind of tipped them off about him. The Louisiana Tech line coach was all about this guy, and he's a veteran O-line coach that's been with some pretty big-time coaches and thinks he has a tremendous potential. And, I mean, he's got that kind of body type. He's six. He's a legit 6'7", and he is, what, 255 now? But he's that size where you know, like, you get him with – nebraska's nutrition and weight room that you can build him up in a year's time to to be 295 whatever name it you know and he can be that and you're right his outside stuff that you know that he's like heavily involved he plays tennis just for the fun of it he started a chess club incredibly smart kid i mean all that stuff bodes to somebody who's gonna usually succeed in whatever he does croatia has just knocked off england by the way two to one It's not going home. Well, there goes the England-France final that most people probably wanted in place of uh, Croatia, who won every match in their run. They have not lost. They have won each time in penalty kicks and now extra Mm -hmm. time. I like the people listening that thought they had got past the soccer. Uh, We were were always doubling back. And here it came. cold bucket of water. (laughs) We were always doubling back. So what do we want to hit on football-wise? I mean, we, we hit Canty. That's probably the most notable news. We can wrap up some recruiting. I'll run through a couple things here. Uh, Taiwan Mullen and Jamel Starks, two defensive backs to know as they'll be coming in to visit right away to start the year. Taiwan Mullen, who just accepted an invite to the Army All-American Bowl and is arguably at the top of Nebraska's board in terms of cornerbacks, visiting September 1st. Uh, he was a guy that I pegged. I think I wrote an article in February just picking out three guys at each position that I thought Nebraska would be targeting in their 2019 class, and he was one that I had pegged in as a, as a corner because 
the staff's relationship with Taiwan Mullen began well before they were at Nebraska. And so he knows the whole UCF story. And he watched that all unfold. And he's got a great relationship with Travis Fisher and Javon DeWitt and Eric Shenander. And he talks with Scott Frost. And he said that he he talks with Nebraska almost every day. And that's continued even throughout this dead period. That's a really important guy for them to have coming in September 1st. He's made a visit to Pitt. He's going to visit Indiana. TCU likely to get a visit as well. But if Nebraska just hits a home run right off the bat, they could be adding somebody that's pretty important to their board, you know, right there in September. And and I think, honestly, you, if you were going to any of those games in September, like that's the one you'd want to be at is the Akron one. I mean, the atmosphere for that should be pretty good for a Saturday night, first game of the Scott Frost era, first game of the season. I think that uh, there'll be a little bit more juice there than if you were rolling in for the Troy game a couple weeks later, even if Troy is the better team. The, the, I mean, the it's almost strategic in a way too to really load up that first game with visitors or the first and second game because I think the second game too is going to be big for guys beyond 2019 um, for the Colorado game. But when you haven't had official visitors all summer, uh, you haven't really had a chance to to take advantage of those. I mean, it seems like it's it's natural that you would, you know, really load up that first weekend. Am I right? right. Uh, it's it's interesting because there was there was talk at one point that they were going to load up late in the season and get it closer to um, signing day. But I think what has happened because so many schools have used official visits in the summer that they kind of want to attack against some of those early visits. Like it, if you got a guy who took visits in May and June and you're going to try to get them to wait until November for the Michigan State game, that might be harder than if you just bring him in for the Akron game and then he's all fired up and all of a sudden you're the the new school that he's talking about and, you know, you're the flavor of the moment kind of thing. There's a total mixed metaphor there. But <laughs> uh, I, I think that that's kind of what has happened here because everything I had heard from them in the offseason early – was that you know, they were looking towards having guys later in the year because it shortens the amount of time to the signing period, which makes a lot of sense. Sure. But when you have to combat everybody else having early visits, now this makes sense too, having them out in September. And then Jamel Starks is a, a defensive back that we don't have rated at 24-7 sports yet, uh, but someone that Nebraska likes because he has versatility, I think, where he's listed as an athlete. He could play on the offensive side of the ball, but he could play either – as a safety or a corner. And I think that when you listen to Travis Fisher, one of the things he talked about all spring is that he needs guys that can cross train, that can play both positions. And I think that's how they're going to recruit it. I don't think you're going to see big distinction lines between this guy's a safety and this guy's a corner. It's basically this guy's a defensive back, and he knows coming here that he's going to have to learn how to play both positions because he's going to be needed at some point. What, what do you anticipate the so – two key positions that we've talked about so far one being you know basically across the offensive line but also the secondary what do you anticipate the number breakdown looking like for those in this 2019 class yeah when i when i sat down and i i wrote it all out some of it sort of depends on what they choose to do at tight end which i don't think they're going to take anybody if they don't get chris hickman i mean i really think it's it's chris hickman or 
maybe somebody late. Uh, otherwise, I, you haven't seen a lot of focus on tight end. And so you take that one extra, and if they stay at two wide receivers, you already have Jamie Nanson, and you get one more guy. Maybe they're looking at a fourth running back. I mean, you could have six linemen in the class, and I think you're probably looking at four defensive backs. And then what it seems like is that there's there's a possibility where they're allowing, you know, two to three spots that are just kind of up in the air. Duck R? Not, not that way. Okay. But more so <laughs> that they're not structured specifically to a position that if there's a kid in the process that they like, they already have four good defensive backs, they'll take a fifth because they have this extra spot. Or they have three running backs committed now, but they're able to get a kid who identifies as a running back, but maybe is more of a, a duck R, husk R, whatever it is. People get real mad about that, yeah. by the way. Well, we're working on the uh, the Huskar. That's what I, yeah. Are, are we? We're trying. We're we putting we're a campaign gonna, together. We're going to work real hard. But. Yeah. <laughs> the motto. <laughs> when the, when the, the Husker 24 7 motto right there. <laughs> when the opportunity presents itself. So I, I would look for Nebraska to have four defensive backs minimum in this class. Mm-hmm. And if it works out, they might try to take more. And five offensive linemen, if it works out, they might try to take more. You mentioned tight ends. I think we were going to talk about outside linebackers, but as I think about it, we should talk about tight ends this week. Well, tight ends. Yeah, how's that? Can Especially we do an audible? Especially given the, the roster. There's, there's some news. Oh, yeah. So That's we right. should do an audible here. Okay. Obviously. Uh, so there's a uh, – I'm just going to throw out all the notes I had for the podcast. Yeah, I know. You've been preparing. We're not, <laughs> we're not going to need them. All of that preparation. The breakdown I had on Colin Miller just gone. I would like if you just stomped, My thoughts on Tyron out of the room career right starting now. at a Whataburger and moving up here to Lincoln. <laughs> gone. Next Thanks, week. Brian. The, it's not lost. I already next deleted week. it. No, next week. I was just sitting here reading your breakdown of Olive Garden and Red Lobster. <laughs> Sorry. Stats department was a little, a little uh, distracted. We knew this was coming, but their official news is that was out that Ingle hopped and uh, Matt Snyder no longer on the roster. It's the the Snyder thing sticks out the most because not because he was like threatening on the depth chart right now, but he was one of the bigger gets of the Riley era at the time. I remember they beat out Michigan. I mean, yeah, that that was the celebration around here. Like, take that Harbaugh. Yeah. You stick a finger in your eye, you know? Yep. Um, and so it just shows you. It sometimes, I mean, here's a guy who, when he came in and I first saw him, I was like, yep, that makes all the sense in the world. This kid played rugby. Looks, He just looks the part. Um, no way he's not playing after, like, a redshirt year. He had that first year of kind of injuries. He had kind of a bizarre injury, right? What was it? It was, do you know, Bruns? Bruns was obsessed with this injury because he had, like, the bulky oh, elbow yeah. that had the massive swelling. I blocked that out. He had, like, some giant like giant cyst on his elbow, yeah. and he was wearing this, like, huge pad. Yeah. He was, like, obsessed with it for a year or whatever it was. He showed he'd it come to off of practice time. and he'd just be like, Elbowing me and pointing at it. Because <laughs> it, it was seriously like he had like a basketball like right underneath his elbow. And he showed it to you? Yeah. He was just like. <laughs> was it like, hey, dude, you got to see this? No, it was. I was like, I was like, is that thing hurt? And he like takes the pad off and like, I was kind of did one of those like, oh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's not that bad. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, it doesn't look that bad really. Like, I'm like over there with my head in a trash can puking my guts out. But uh, that he had that then like he hurt his hand or something like that he had like a broken hand yeah. and... both of those guys had a long injury history I mean Engelhoff had struggles with hamstrings sometimes that's all it takes to knock a guy off course a bit you get that injury your first year and you never quite 
it op- it opens the, the door for somebody else. I mean, that mm-hmm. Jack stole. Jack stole. Yeah. Yep. And then you're you're playing catch up, and it can get frustrating. I'm sure at times where you you feel like this was gonna be my spot, and now it's somebody else's. And I don't know all what was going through, you know, his mind. But Jack Stoll ran with it. He's another kid, you know, that was. Not probably not as big a deal was made about him, but you know they beat out Texas, right? For him, Texas was interested. Um, and then Austin Allen and Raftall have kind of solidified that top of the depth chart at this point, where you have two like six, seven guys who are pretty good on their feet, and I think have been kind of a pleasant surprise to Sean Becton. Yeah, I mean, I, I joked very early in the spring after talking with Sean Becton. I think one of the first days of practice that I was buying up all the available Austin Allen stock, and I still feel pretty pretty strongly about that. I, I think that Jack Stoll they like a lot, too. I mean, I, I think that the way they use tight ends, you're going to see all of those guys involved. I mean, you might see some of the walk-on guys involved. Uh, you might see Katarian Legrone involved yeah. early in his career. I mean, especially with the fact that you can play him and he gets no red shirt. So I, I know that there's going to be someone listening to this that are like screaming about how this is what we talked about with Mike Riley and Langsdorf and the use of tight ends. I I really think though that, I mean, <laughs> they're going to use them. They really are. <laughs> they are. <laughs> the usage at Nebraska has just been incredibly low compared to what it has been around the, the country. But like Tyler Hoppus set a program record last year for catches by a tight end, which is funny to me because it, it I mean, there was a lot that happened last year, but that fact I think gets kind of glossed over yeah. a little bit. That like they actually, what's funny about Hoppus is that he turned out to be pretty good, and everyone thought that he was going to be pretty good. But then he was so quiet early on that everyone's like, "Oh, well, just another yeah. media built this guy up." It's not. It's not Seath and Carter favoriting tweets about passes to the quarter or to the tight end after he left during the spring game, which is still one of my favorite things, but. You know, if I was any good at the internet, you could just go through and just make a series of gifs of Seath and Carter running wide open and the ball being thrown at his ankles. Yeah. The I do think though, again, putting it on record, I think that the staff is going to use the tight end. I, I think what So what the, you're saying is actually the last staff did use the tight end. Later. Yes. A uh, fair amount. A fair amount. More than the previous. Right. This the, there's a there's a very like an upward graph. Well, right the previous now. staff used the tight end, and then it totally just disappeared. Yeah, it forever. kind of like bell curved, <laughs> reverse <laughs> bell curve, yeah. right? Um, but I mean, w- the biggest surprise for me in the spring, I think, had to have been how far Kurt Raftall came from the practices oh, yeah. that we got to watch as a when he showed up on campus during his redshirt year to that catch that he made in the spring game where he just catches it, taps a toe. Kurt Raftall last fall is not making that catch. Kurt Raftall last fall wouldn't have been within 10 yards of that ball. No. I mean, his his explosiveness and route running is one of the big changes from just when we first saw him. I, I was struck. I remember telling you and some other people about this, that he was much slower than what I expected yeah. based on what you'd saw in film and he had this weird hitch in his run and, you didn't see any of that this spring. You certainly didn't see it in the spring game. Yeah, but it. I mean, both of those guys, Allen and Raftall, were offered 
by UCF, by Sean Becton. They knew exactly what they were getting with both of those guys. They liked both of those guys a lot uh, as fits for their offense. And I think sometimes that uh, that can make a world of difference when you have a coaching change. If there's already that built-in familiarity uh, with those guys who are going to be you know on, on the roster and in your position room. I was trying to find the exact number because I've written it a couple times, but UCF's tight ends, it's something like 300 yards difference between what they had, even though Hoppus had a good year, which he did end up statistically. Jordan Aikens himself had 515 yards on 32 catches, which is an average of 16 a pop. And then there was a couple other guys who were involved that up added like 300 more yards. The point is, in that offense, the way they have all these speed guys, and you know, when you're when we're talking about like Mike Williams and Jerron Woodyard and how they can take the top off a of defense, I mean, just think about what that does to the map of the field. If if they're taking guys deep and you got to worry about their speed, it opens up this whole middle part of the field for those tight ends to just work one on one with a linebacker with a ton of space. And if you're a good route runner you're going to get so many opportunities, I would think, especially when you consider it's freshman year of a quarterback where they might not be quite as eager to, you know, put it all out there and yellow it, and they might want that security blanket. So I, I, I would bet heavy on the tight ends this year, even though they really have no, not a lot of proof aside from Stoll at the very end of last year, really. Stoll's <clears throat> interesting, too, because I think when – when he was recruited by Mike Riley's staff, and Danny Langsdorf even flat out said this, I think, towards the end of last season, that they thought that he was, like, basically what they were going to get out of him was they were going to get an in, inline blocker, uh, maybe a guy that caught you a couple passes, and that was going to be what he was going to do in that offense. And I think he really surprised them towards the end of last year. I mean, he, he had the touchdown catch against against Penn State, he looked very serviceable against Minnesota. I mean, I, I think he kind of, you know, had an opportunity present itself and ran with it. And I think he was a better athlete with the ball in his hands than what they were expecting. And, and I, I think that that's, you know, he, he can be that kind of inline guy that maybe Raftall or Allen isn't necessarily by design, but um, also, you know, be a, enough of a passing threat where you don't have to keep bringing him on and off the field based on what you're going to run. It's not surprising that Langsdorf would think that because if you actually look at his high school stats, he had right. less than 100 yards receiving as a tight end when, you know, he committed in June of the year that before his senior year, mm-hmm. he had never had 100 yards receiving. And I remember talking to him that summer and he, he was sort of talking about how, you know, his goal was he wanted people to view him more as he could catch the ball and do things with it. He had a 400-yard senior year I mean he he put it together a little bit there and um so I I think you're right he did probably catch people by surprise because his highlights were predominantly blocking you know as as an inline guy and then goes through a senior year nobody's recruiting him he's probably not being watched as much by Nebraska because he's already in the fold right and then he shows up on campus and is like oh this guy can move a little bit yeah so it's a good sign for him it's a good sign for Nebraska um it's a very interesting position going forward because they just have so many different body types. I mean, Katarian Legrone is so different than either Raftal or Allen, and he was a wide receiver in high school. And when you talk to him, I mean, I think all three of us have talked to him. Uh, he 
never used the word tight end when you were talking about his recruitment a whole lot. He's like, well, they just view me as somebody, you know, I'm a Y receiver. And you, you go look that up or whatever it is, and it's basically a split-out tight end. The, do you think that – so you've got Legrone and you've got um, Cameron Jurgens in this class. Yes or no, those guys, one or both or neither, makes it past the, the four-game threshold to play. Legrone is the only one that would make sense to me. I don't think Cameron Jurgens coming off of the ankle injury is going to be ready to be an inline blocking tight end, to be used that much over a guy like, uh, oh, what is his name from uh, from Iowa, Bishop Heelan, the the walk-on tight end. I cannot oh, think uh, of his Hones, name. Yeah. Is that? Is that his On name? On the Husker roster? Yeah. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon Hohenstein. Right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I think he's going to have an opportunity to play. Quite, I think Bryson Kroll could play for them. A little bit too not necessarily this year but down the line you look at his athleticism and, and his size i mean kind of jumped out super to productive too yep. he had like 60 catches last year yep. for north platte and he can punt so there's that i think Legr- need to punt on which offense. is great if you run some sort of play where you throw <laughs> it to him behind the line of scrimmage yep. on a bubble screen and he punts just punts it has that formation ever been done that should be done that'd be cool <laughs> i'll see why not See Pearson will return that for a touchdown. <laughs> he had like a 76-yard punt in the Shrine Bowl. Really? Kroll did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wind dated? Uh, I believe so. It probably <laughs> bounced a little bit as well. <laughs> it would have been great if you are like, actually, it was going against him. Yeah. <laughs> Tight ends, anything else? Well, yeah. I, th- I think Legron's a perfect, like, four game. He's like the perfect guy for the rule. You know, play a few games. Let him get his feet wet. Because it feels like you're supposed to say they got dinged by the news of Snyder and Engelhop leaving, but you're only dinged if guys were actually going to play. And I, I'm not, I hate to be blunt about it, but they weren't going to play, I don't think. I, they weren't in position. I don't think I'm breaking any news when I basically can say that those guys knew they weren't going to play and they knew right. early in the spring they weren't going to play. And where this ended up on July 8th or whenever the news came out, was known on probably April 8th. You still have to knock people over the head with it sometimes, though, because it's out there like, oh, man, that position's in trouble now, you know, because they had heard about these guys through recruiting and stuff. And it, if Nebraska's got their top three guys, they got interesting guys in Legron and Jurgens, they're, they're pretty good. And yeah. a couple walk-ons. Well, that's the thing. Like, just because this news came out last week, I mean, it's – it's been known for a long time. I mean, it's not like Sean Becton was, you know, but that's one of those things browsing where the internet and like, holy crap, these it, guys are off the roster. Whoa. Right. <laughs> it's known to, to us, and it's known to maybe the people that were reading the tea leaves. Sure. But the Husker fan that isn't, and I don't know why he wouldn't be, on Nebraska.247sports.com all the time, but if he's not, he's probably somewhat taken back by Nebraska losing two young tight ends. Sure. Yeah. That, that is a... a something to be taken aback by i so, can't tell if that was sarcasm the thing with brunts is you can never distinguish sometimes when it's sarcasm or when it's just like a throwaway comment i think he's trying to take off your dog's collar yeah, yeah like he's making too much noise slightly yeah, right so. now it's teenage munit ninja turtles collar yep it's a good collar the uh it, it's like a seat belt buckle that kind of gave me some <laughs> yeah some trouble there it's a fancy buckle yep 
Well, you guys got anything else? Hey, I don't. I mean, I think I hit on anything football-related I have. I, I want to bring this up because I mentioned it in the, the midday musings. We talked about the poll a little bit oh, red lobster. There. Yeah, okay. the Red Lobster Olive Garden thing. But what I want to ask is, so America slash Twitter slash the people that followed me slash the people that participated in the poll voted that Olive Garden is more popular between Olive Garden and Red Lobster at three what, three times the amount? And so I was surprised by that. But what I was going to ask you, if you had to go to a chain sit-down restaurant, and I don't eat at them very often. Like, it's pretty rare. But if you had to go to one, what is your favorite? Of those two? No, no, no. Any chain? Any, any of them. So, like, but they, they got to fit in that, like, Applebee's, Chili's, that sort of vein. Hmm. And you they got to be a chain. Do you, does your heart still beat a little faster when you see an Olive Garden? No. I, I was never an Olive Garden guy. You're a just small because town, I went to... You're a yes, small town guy. Being from had, Columbus, right? I, I, I get the jokes. <laughs> I was never an Olive Garden guy. I would have voted Red Lobster I th- in that pool. Jake, I don't like either of those places. This is not sarcastic. and I, I This is an honest, honestly God thought. I, th- I honestly used to think that when I would tease you about Olive Garden that, I was, that you were just kind of playing along. But it, there was also a, a little bit of tinge of hurt there whenever i would make fun of oligarch okay i'm not okay uh, i i would play along because like there's former high school classmates of mine that would visit lincoln that still live in columbus and would write about how they were going to olive garden and that was like the highlight of the weekend okay like so it, it you know the running joke of it's a stereotype because it's true okay plays out gotcha sorry where are you going, Brian? Well, I'm glad that we cleared this up yeah. five years after the fact that it first came up. <laughs> Just making sure you weren't harboring You guys anything. need to talk out your issues. <laughs> this could have been solved a long time ago. Yeah. I guess. Well, that's why you're here. Is you're, you're the mediator. <laughs> mediator. Yeah. yeah. I guess I would say, I would probably say Red Lobster's up there. I enjoy a Red Lobster on occasion, and I like the shrimp scampi. The, the biscuits are pretty good. I like how you were like laughing as you were finishing sh- shrimp skins. <laughs> I do. I, you just knew it was going to make you laugh. You can get that. like You couldn't say that without laughing. You laugh. can get that platter. I forget. It's like the mix and match where you can get three things and it saves you a few bucks. And most you, most people don't have the balls to go three shrimp scampi on the waitress. Be like, I want them all scampi. I will do that. <laughs> So, Full scampi. Yeah. Wow. When you when you mentioned scampi, scampi a, a minute ago, you looked very longingly off into the distance down the hall. I noticed. Well, I, if <laughs> At you the look, bathroom. <laughs> yeah. From where my house is, Red Lobster is just you know towards that corner. Yeah, it so. is. It's like a beacon calling you home. It's not a bad lunch deal there. I've only been there like twice for lunch, but both times I walked that way thinking, "Yeah, that was pretty good for." 10 bucks. I haven't had Red Lobster in at least eight years. Oh. I'm probably the same for Olive Garden, too. You posed this question to me when I walked in, and I think it was if I would eat seafood in Nebraska. And I'm very, I don't, I'm wary of eating seafood when we're this far inland. <laughs> but I just figure, like, Red Lobster, they must have, like, some plan to make it work, you know? <laughs> they, they get semi, like, decently fresh stuff i don't know probably scary are you a big cheddar biscuits guy yeah the cheddar biscuits are yeah i mean that's a good competition in itself the cheddar biscuits and the breadsticks of of against the breadsticks of olive garden there's that funny google was that that woman in like the small town she was an older Uh lady wrote like a restaurant review of olive garden yep in like south dakota or something and was talking about the breadsticks but 
I don't know what's your answer. Chili's, I think, is where I, I would go. Chili's would be like up there too for me. I think Chili's is mine as well. Red Robin's like right next to it, basically. At a certain time in West Omaha, growing up, you used to be able to, within a block, there was Applebee's, Chili's right next door. There was a village inn there, mm. and I believe some kind of maybe like an outback steakhouse. So, so basically, like Forty Eighth Street, a little bit. Kind of, yeah. But it, but if if you were headed towards Oakview Mall on a Friday night, yep. and there was one that was too crowded, you didn't have to worry because there was <laughs> there was a little beacon of hope across the parking lot where you might be able to get a table faster. Yeah, in the '90s, Chili's and Applebee's was kind of a hot ticket. Yeah, like it was. Uh, it was viewed as people kind of, lined up out the door. As, well, it was as someone of, who occasionally listens to this show would say. Yes, it was new to Nebraska. It's, I don't know when they first opened elsewhere, but it felt like it was pretty new, like in the mid to late nineties. Mm-hmm. And there, because of it, it, it was if thought of as like kind of upper, upper middle class type restaurant. I guess you'd call it. You know. Yeah. I mean, I think that it was just like a different way of, of eating out. Like, you, you probably still get the same burger, but instead of going to McDonald's, you go into Applebee's, and there's some letter jackets on the wall that and some bad music. Makes you feel at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. All right. So, what was your pick, though? Yeah, what was your pick? Mine, uh, I think, is Chili's as well. I mean, I think yeah. that's my my favorite of the of the grouping, but. I just find that I don't eat any of them, really, ever. Though, I did, I was thinking back, I was trying to remember, like, the last five that I had had, and one of them would be Buffalo Wild Wings, because we went there twice last year on road trips, which yeah. doesn't speak particularly highly of us. Where, where did we, it was, the, I remember the very the, sad, after the Oregon, the very thing. sad stop in Salem, Oregon, at, like, because it was the only thing open, 1045 at night, and you dumped a beer all, beer all over the it. table, I don't know why my voice is cracked there, but... <laughs> Yep, there was there was a kind of a weird game going on at the time too. It was uh, Boise State and Washington State. Yeah, Boise State left that door way too wide open. Yep, memories. Yeah, and then we went after or before the Purdue game. Yeah, so yeah, exciting times on the road. Great, we covering Nebraska football. I mean, if anybody has any uh, food suggestions, we clearly need them. <laughs> we need to up our game, especially this late year. night ones. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, well, uh, do we have anything we want to add before we finish this podcast and never listen to it again? I think we've we've run the gamut of soccer. and Okay, well, <laughs> World Cup predictions. You now know that it is France versus Croatia. What do you got, Brunts? Are there any hammers playing in this game? Uh, no, they're not. I, uh, I'll go France. France three to nothing. It won't even be good. Whoa. Wow. France is like the class of this field, I think. All right. Well, uh, I mean, I, I was going to take France too, so that's nobody Nobody believes in the, the Croatians. Are you going to eat any culturally appropriate breakfast food before the game on Sunday? Match, excuse me. <laughs> Maybe a little crepe. Can't just go with French or, toast. Or that croissant. Won't, that won't count. You Don't do it. Toast. I'm a soccer defender, but I think one thing we've got wrong in America is that we have to imitate how other people like watch it with like the scarves. And you're not a scarf guy. I think it's silly. I just I 
I went to the the case the sporting KC game and had a fun time a couple of years ago, but some of it around me I was like, come on, let's just be American about it, you know? <laughs> Does it but I mean we're pretending. Don't you also <laughs> when you're saying things like sporting KC and Isn't that Real the Salt Lake? Well, yeah. There's nothing American about these sports team names. That's what I'm saying. I think I think we should drop the pretense like w- that we fit in exactly with the I, game. Look, I'm with you 100%. You, I hate those names. You mean like after like after a, a match and somebody says that was a fair outcome? <laughs> yeah. Like things like that? Yes. I, we, we need to lose all of the language. Just use our own language that we've adopted for all sport and put it towards soccer. Okay. I mean, we're, we're not calling it football. That's true. We might as well just stick. I mean, this is why they fought a war. We we need to freedom from this sort of oppression. <laughs> and you know I'm a I'm a I played soccer in high school. I, I love the game, but we can get into that if we want. But. <laughs> How did it take until this long for that to come back up? I have nothing more to say about it. Nothing, nothing at all. It's it's been said on the air what right. happened. Okay, well as always. <laughs> Check everything out at nebraska.247sports.com. Husker 24-7. Well, I'm just adding it. If you don't want to type as much, it's fine. That's what I call it. Husker247.com. Do you need the... Yeah, so it's just Husker247sports.com. Yeah, just Husker247.com. I've never done it. Just try it, man. I'm always doing the Nebraska. You're you're typing way too much. Well, if it's already typed into your computer once, it just stays. Either gets you there.